I am without question the most clumsiest person in Britain. All I did was lift a bottle top off just before I came in to worship and covered myself from head to foot in water. My Bible, it's been baptized. My Bible's been baptized. My iPad, it's still going. Uh, so I'm hoping it's going to last through, but I'm just so so wet, but I'm beginning to dry up. Um, just so, so clumsy. Apart from being beautiful, I am so clumsy. <laughs> so let's just pray, shall we? Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for our worship this morning. And we don't want it, Lord, to finish at quarter past twelve, as Kevin said. That's not worship. That's just been here for the quarter past twelve, Lord. Our worship should continue throughout this week. And Lord, the reason we're here for is to get ourselves prepared for that week. And that's why you want us to come together and have such a wonderful time as we've had this morning in worship. Because that gives us up for the whole week. I don't know about you, but I'll be thinking about our morning service on Tuesday and Wednesday. Just how God, I encountered God. And so Father Lord, I believe your word is the same though. So I believe Lord, we can encounter you just through your word. And I ask Lord, you just help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm really frightened to take a drink. Well, I'll <laughs> get me some straws. Oh, it's awful, though. It's awful being clumsy. You don't realise it's awful being clumsy. No, seriously. I, I take a cup of tea up... I don't take a cup of tea because I've never had a cup of tea. Um, so that's a lie. So I take a cup of coffee... And I've got someone who's watching me at the bottom of the stairs. I'm not going to mention any names. And sometimes I've got some, some white slippers on and I slip on the third step. And the coffee goes all over the step. I'm not going to tell you what is said. That is between two people. But I just so clumsy. Just, just don't know what it is. But someone says you can't be perfect in everything. I'll just like to be perfect in something. Anyway, a prisoner, he's in jail, and he receives a letter from his wife. Dear husband, I've decided to plant some lettuce in the back garden. When is the best time to plant them? The prisoner replied quickly in his letter, Dear wife, whatever you do, do not touch the back garden. Well, that's where I've hid all the money. He knew that his letters were read by the prison officers. So a week or so later, he receives another letter from his wife. Dear husband, you wouldn't believe what's happened. Some men came with shovels to the house and dug up the whole of our back garden. The prisoner writes back, Dear wife, now's the best time to plant the lettuce. <laughs> but I want to talk to you this morning to encourage you about a letter that was written in the book of the Philippines. It's one of the most wonderful letters you can read, and it's only a few chapters long. And the reason I want to read it for is because I want to encourage you this morning and what you have in Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning that when you get depressed, when you're, you're feeling low, when life isn't going great, I want to talk to you about a man who was in prison. He was locked away. The Bible says he was chained in prison. Chained. I don't know whether you've seen Gladiator in some of the Roman movies, but listen, there was no picnic. And this man is writing a letter encouraging everybody about what they have in Jesus. And he's a prisoner. 
What is it that about some people can have so much joy in every circumstances that they find themselves in is because of what words that Kevin said and the words I've just written because Paul said I'm complete in in him. I'm complete in him. But Paul, you're in prison. Well, yeah, and I'm going to sit down and write a letter encouraging everybody that, listen, this is what we have in Jesus. And so in AD 49, he sat down and he was called to go to a place called Macedonia. You can read it in Acts 16. And there at Philippi, he found a Christian congregation. And so he went into there and they started to have a a great, great relationship. And you know, Paul didn't very often have a good relationship with the churches that he actually formed. It's strange, but he didn't actually, in fact, he had to, in one uh, letter, actually say, I apologise for writing this, but I just need to write it. But here was a church in Philippi who seemed to just love the Apostle Paul. It's great when a, when a minister loves their church and the church loves their minister. It's just a really good basis for relationship. And this Philippine church came to the aid of Paul when he's in prison. And so they sent someone to Paul in, in Philippines 1 and 7, and they gave him lots and lots of goodies. Because uh, when you're in prison, obviously, you need some stuff. And so Paul and this church in Philippi had a great relationship. And so Paul said, listen, I want to send a letter through Ephrodites to encourage you and to thank you for your gift and to let you know about my situation. My situation, Paul says, is not great. He says, it's not great. I'm waiting to stand before one of the most awful people that was ever birthed, and his name was Nero. And Emperor Nero is not a wonderful character. He was one of the most wickedest and perverse people uh, of our generations. And Paul was waiting to stand before this man uh, on the account of his faith. And Paul says this, I want you to know that this letter is a letter of joy. Yes, I am in prison, but I am rejoicing in the Lord. The word joy is the character word was found five times in this epistle. And the verb is to rejoice. And Paul is saying, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. My hope, my faith is built in Jesus. If everything is taken away from me, I've still got Jesus. I wonder this morning if if that gives us some comfort this morning. That whatever happens in life, you will always have Jesus. Isn't that lovely? And if you want to be further encouraged, I recommend you read Romans 8. It will tell you that Paul, the same man, writes in Romans 8 and says, Let me ask you a question, Melody. Is there anything able to separate you from the love of God? Is there? Let's shout it out. The word is no. Is there anything that can stop you from being God's child? The answer is no. No, seriously, can divorce stop you from being in the love of God? Losing job, losing your health, everything. Paul says, I've lost everything, I'm in prison, but you cannot take away from me the love of God. Wow! Everything else had gone from him. 
He didn't even have a coat to cloak. In fact, he writes and says, listen, can someone fetch me a coat and a cloak to keep me warm and my papers to read and write? So how can you, Paul, how can you use this word joy in this lovely little letter that he writes to the Philippines? Because Paul uses this term, I am in Christ. And that's what I want to do uh, the six chapters, but don't freak out because I ain't going to speak on every single one that I mentioned here. So chill out, relax, relax. Half past twelve will come. It will. Half past twelve will definitely come. Tonight. Tonight. Listen, Philippines 1, 26, 2 verse 1, 2 verse 19, 2 verse 24, 3 verse 1, 4 verse 1, 4 verse 10. Paul kept saying, listen, I am in Christ. And Christ is in me. I don't care what you do, Nero, when I stand before you. You can take my head off. Because eventually that is what Nero did. But he was still in Christ when he took his head off. He was still in Christ. And Christ was still in him. And I want to try and get us to have a go at these six relationships in Jesus. Philippians 1 verse 1, it starts about telling you your position is in Christ. Paul said, listen, whatever happens to you in life, please, can you just stand in Jesus? Stand in this. Can you just say, listen, whatever is happening to me, my foundation is built on Jesus. When everything else falls, I can still stand in Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but I fully stand on who? Jesus. Let's shout out Jesus' name. We stand this morning fully equipped in Jesus. You see, Paul's summation of the Christian life is this intimate relationship that you have, Pearl, with Jesus. And he wants you to know that you stand because of a thing called grace. And grace represents, the word grace, karios, represents an unmerited favour that God has poured out on you. And I want you to know that God has poured out unmerited favour on you. That you are abundantly secure in Christ. Paul says, I want you to rejoice because your position that you stand in is not what the world does for you. Is that Jesus is in your life and that that is sufficient to get you through for the rest of your days. I'm standing, standing. All as a hymn writer said, I'm leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. When all of life and hope is gone, I stand assured in this alone, that I am his and he is mine. I stand there forever till the end of time. Hallelujah. It's my grace and grace alone. And not only do we have grace, Paul says we also have this Greek word called shalom. I am at peace with God. And God is at peace with me. You see, peace in the Jewish sense is the symphony of a life with a relationship with God. 
That is what the word peace means. It means in the Jewish sense, it's a symphony. When you hear the violins and the guitars and the orchestras playing, it's a symphony. When you hear a symphony playing, well, to the Jews, peace is a symphony of a relationship with God. And that's what you have. You have a symphony of a relationship with Jesus. Paul says, you can put me in chains, but you can't take away one thing from me. I stand in Christ. And my hope is built on the precious blood of Jesus. Now I say that's quickly, that's the first one already. You see, the starting point for your relationship, though, is your foundation. Who underlines your foundation? What did Jesus talk about? The man who built his house upon sand. And the man who built his house upon a rock. And I've got my foundation built on a rock. A solid rock. In fact, the Bible calls Jesus the cornerstone, the head of the rock. On this rock, he said, I will build my church. That wasn't Peter. On Jesus, I will build, I will build my church. We are standing on a rock this morning. Strong and secure and steadfast. Is it Robin Mark that sings that lovely song? I can't think of the words now. Will your anchor hold in the stems of life? We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to a rock which cannot be moved. Standing firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Oh, oh, going to encourage you this morning. You're standing on the everlasting arms this morning of Jesus Christ. He is your strength. He is your foundation. Peter says this, I am standing on a living foundation. He is the cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he is precious to God, who has now chosen you. And now God is building you as a living stone in the spiritual temple. Wow! And lovely. You're a rock this morning. A rock this morning. Built on the foundation of Jesus Christ this morning. Oh, you are by a living foundation, not dead. Not dead. You're a living foundation. We belong to a living God. And we need to get this, we need to grasp this. I don't know who you're believing on, but I'm believing in someone who is the eternal King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who right now is sitting in heaven, and right now actually is seeing everything that's going on. He is alive! He is alive! I worship a living God this morning. One who is able to abundantly do more than I dare think or ask, should he choose to do so. Oh, wow. Whoa, whoa, come on, he's great. And that is why Paul then goes on to say the second thing you need to understand about joy is when you share the gospel of Jesus. Paul actually calls it a privilege. It's in chapter 1, verse 15. So you standing, standing, that's your position. But the second thing, it is a privilege to share the good news of Jesus. God never meant this wonderful good news to be kept to us. That's why we've been having that whole series on the mandate, haven't we? Go into all the world and 
And I, Christine and I met with a young lady this week. In fact, we met with two young ladies this week. Both were called Ruth, which confused me because I... <laughs> but anyway, we sat there and they are very, very young people. And they are going to work with us as we go into this neighborhood to try and bring young people into our fellowship. We want to share the good news. And I sat and listened to them as they are just bursting forth with wanting to share the good news about Jesus. And they can talk to young people like I can't talk to young people. Uh, and uh, they're going to set up a, there's a Thursday night youth club going to go up. They've got this massive bus where you go into this huge bus and they've got computers. Anyway, there was something we're just going to get excited about. It was the first stage in our journey, but just you to pray about. And we're going to try, starting now, to try and attract young people and share the good news. Paul says, listen, it is a privilege to share the gospel of peace. And we all know the mandate. Well, that is the second thing that uh, we're quickly going to go through. It is a privilege, and I don't mean you go out there tomorrow morning and bash somebody over the head with John 3.16. I mean you go out there tomorrow and you love people. That's all God wants you to do, love people. If you can do something for someone, do something for them. That's just loving people. And if the opportunity comes along, tell them the good news. Tell them the good news of Jesus. We've got this habit that we have to know hundreds of verses. No, the testimony of your life is more, 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 more than ever you telling someone. Because if they look at you, my mother used to quote me a little bit, I can't remember it, so, but it was a little poem which simply said, they won't read the Bible, but they will read you. And they read us. When we suddenly we tell people about Jesus, we marked ourselves as people who, who have a different ethos in life. But Paul says, listen, I'm in prison here, Nero. You've chained me to this floor. But you know what? It doesn't matter because I hear people are talking about me. And Paul says, I don't care whether they're talking about me in an awful thing or whether they're talking about me in a good thing. The thing they do is they're telling everybody about me and about the message that I've got to bring. Read it in Philippines. He actually says, listen, people are talking about the message of Jesus in a derogative way. Some are talking about the message of Jesus in a good way. But he says, I don't care as long as the message is out there. And that, he says, actually, Nero, you've done more benefit for me for putting me in prison than you realise because the message is going out there. The third thing, let's quickly go on because it is 12 o'clock. Third thing is this. Not only is your position in Christ, not only is it a privilege to tell the good news about Christ, but you've got a purpose to live now. Well, come on, we've got a purpose to live. If all you have to look forward to in life, young man at the back, is 70 years or a bit of bonus, well, what's it look forward to? Not seriously. We have got a purpose in life. Because our life is going on. And on. And on and on. We are now eternally secure. And all of that brings. Because as I said, Christ is not himself dead, says Paul. Paul is alive. Therefore, this is what he says. Therefore, reckon himself to be dead. And alive in Christ. The Greek term reckoned is an accountancy term. It's a bookkeeping term. So someone here knows it. It's a bookkeeping term. And it means this. Two and two is four. 
here and warmly. But is two and two four in Hong Kong or is it different? Is two and two four in Hong Kong? It is, isn't it? You're not so sure, but trust me, trust me, it is. Trust me. What about what about in Africa, young man, Daniel? It's two and two four in Africa. It is. You seem more assured. Listen, in other words, there's a universal practice like no other. Science, science, engineering, and everything else can be a little bit different in whatever country you go to. But there's one thing that is absolutely the same wherever you go in life, and it's mathematics. Did you know that? Mathematics cannot change. It's the same everywhere you go. And if they use this, that's why it's an accountancy term. Then word reckon. And Paul is saying, listen, no matter where you go in life, you are in Christ. I want you to use the same terminology. Just as two and two is four, wherever you go, so, so you need to reckon yourself that you are alive in Christ wherever you go. Isn't that lovely? Tumbuk two, wherever you go, you are alive in Christ. But you must reckon that to be so. In other words, there must come a point in your life when you absolutely believe that that's true. That no matter where I go, I take Jesus with me. Have I reckoned myself to understand that once I have been saved, I am saved. That no matter what the enemy comes across me, no matter how he tries to depress me, no matter how he tries to put stumbling blocks in my way, this I know that I am his. And he is mine. And that's why Paul was happy. That's why Paul was joyful. Because whatever you do to me, you cannot take it away. It's a mathematical term. I reckon myself to be dead to sin, but I reckon myself to be alive. Christ. So you have a purpose. You have a position, a privilege, and you have a purpose. Get to know what salvation really means, Julia. You are safe forever, love. We have to put up with you for eternity. It's just one of those things that will have to be put in. And God gives us grace. I want to finish you with this. Paul says, I reckon myself to be this. Now listen to it. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But the life that I now live, I live in Christ who redeemed me. And those words are powerful. I have been crucified with Christ. At the cross, at the cross, I surrendered my life. I was crucified with Christ the day I asked him into my heart. And I no longer live for myself. But I am alive in Christ. And he gives me the power and the strength to go on. I am going to finish. There is another couple which I'm just going to mention. And the next one is... Not only have you got a position, not only have you got a privilege in Christ, not only have you got a purpose to live, but you've got a prospect of an eternal future. In verse 123 of Philippines, he says, With Christ I'm under pressures of two choices. 
He says, listen, I would rather be with Jesus. But I think it's more beneficial that I am with you. But the picture was this. Paul was saying that if I depart, it means to unloose from this world. It means to go to somewhere else. When a ship goes and parts from dock, what's the last thing they do? They take the ropes off. They throw the ropes over and, and the ship goes off. That's what your departure means, says Paul. One day those ropes are coming off. You're going to be with Jesus. You're going to leave this harbour. And you're going to go sailing. I am sailing. Paul says, listen, the prospect you have is that, listen, this life for you doesn't end in here. But it ends at the other end of glory. He's coming. And he's coming very soon. And those ropes are going to be thrown away. And we will no longer sin. They'll be cast off. And there we will be with Christ. Paul, how can you be so happy and joyful in prison? Because I'm looking forward to the day when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise. And I am going to be caught up. And I'm going to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. There is another one. It's called the prize. But we're not going to go into the prize. Paul just simply said this. For living or dying. For me. Christ is gain. Whether I live. Whether I die. Christ. Is my gain. Christ is my prospect. Christ is my position. Christ is my privilege. Oh, and it finishes, particularly for you, Ali, this one, perfection. <laughs> one day you will be perfect. And Paul ends his message with this joy. Wouldn't it be nice to be perfect, though? Seriously. Sometimes you look at people and think, I wish I could be like him. No, I'm not actually... I don't mean that when I look at it. I'm using this as a metaphor. But don't you sometimes think, oh, I wish I could be like him. And do you know that person sitting there thinking, I wish I could be like him. Yeah. Did you know that? And then that person saying, I wish I could be like him. And so it goes on. Because we're not perfect, are we? But soon you will be. Yeah. Haven't we got a lot to look forward to in Christ this morning, haven't we? Sorry, I'm, I'm, perhaps I'm just me excited. Perhaps when you get to my age, you'll be as happy as I am, you see. But listen, my position is in Christ. My position is in Christ. My privilege is to tell about the good news. And one day I will be perfect. One day I will see the King. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. So let's finish with those six things. So that you can just remember those things. You are positioned, so stand in Christ. You have a privilege to preach Christ, to tell the good news. You have a purpose to live in Christ. You have a prospect, you are going to be with Christ forever. There is a prize that Christ will give for those of us who continue in the faith. And finally, 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 one day we are going to be perfect in Christ. May God help you this week to rejoice in the privilege of knowing it. It may be a bad week for some of you. 
Some of you may get bad news. Some of us may not have a week go the way we planned. But let's remember this. Whatever life throws at us, the one thing they cannot take away is our Savior in us and we in Him. God bless you.